0: us all stand for the reading of God's Word. In Deuteronomy, we're going to read, O hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, is the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. These commands that I give you today are to be a part of your hearts. Impress upon them, impress, impress them upon your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. We're skipping down to 13. Fear the Lord your God. Serve him only and take your oaths in his name. Do not follow their gods, other gods, and the gods of the people around you. For the Lord your God... Who is among you is a jealous God, and his anger will burn against you, and he will destroy you from the face of the land. Do not put the Lord your God to the test, as you did in Massah. Be sure to keep the commands of the Lord your God, and stipulations and decrees he has given you. Do what is right and good in the Lord's sight, so that... It may go well with you and that you may go in and take over the good land that the Lord has promised on oath to your ancestors, thrusting out all the enemies before you, as the Lord God has said. In the future, when your son asks you, What is the meaning of the stipulations, decrees, and laws the Lord our God has commanded you? Tell him, We were slaves of Pharaoh in Egypt, but the Lord has brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. Before our eyes, the Lord sent signs and wonders, great and terrible, on Egypt and Pharaoh and the whole household. But he brought us out of there to bring us in and give us the land he promised on oath to our ancestors. The Lord commanded us to obey all these decrees and to fear the Lord our God, so that we might always prosper and keep alive, as is the case today. And if we are careful to obey all the law before the Lord our God, as he has commanded us, that will be our righteousness. This is the word of God. Please be seated.
1: good evening all right that's uh let's open up in a word of prayer our Father we thank you once again for giving us another day uh, to praise and worship you another day to spend with our loved ones and this opportunity again to learn more about you and your will and your ways for us we pray Father God for your Holy Spirit to open our hearts and open our minds that we will be able to learn from you and hear you and will be obedient to your leading and to your yielding remove any sense of pride lord god in our hearts humble us lord so we will learn and father give me wisdom anoint my lips lord god and please bless my preparations and as always lord god please supersede it as you see fit Let it be you and you alone to speak to your people here tonight in Jesus' mighty name we pray Amen. Amen. Um, we're still in the book of Deuteronomy. <laughs> we're still in the, the, the title, The Results Are In. That's, uh, well, let me turn that on. Maybe that will work better. The Results Are In, part three. We're still talking about knowing God during trying times and why it's important. Why it's important. And then the fact that we're reading from Deuteronomy I just want to read to you guys 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. Everything about the Bible. We should look into it as our full counsel. Some of them might not relate to us anymore. And then we can see in the New Testament why it doesn't relate to us anymore. But most of it, It's all for our teaching. It's for for all the people's benefit. Amen? Amen. As we continue in our series, Knowing God during trying times and the results are in, we've discussed these points, the first three, to believe in one God, knowing God gives you and tells you and makes you believe that there is one God. The second point, the second result is that we will love God and we will live for God. And then the third point, is to trust God. For those of you who have missed those things, I'm pretty sure they're documented in our YouTube channel, uh, which our, our media team faithfully edits and uploads. So please relate. Uh, if you want to review them or check them out, it's over there. Tonight, we're going to be talking about the last part, the last result of knowing God, which is to tell people about God. All these things are the results of knowing God. If you claim to know God, you have to look at these things. If you know these things, and if it doesn't happen, it doesn't necessarily have to happen in order, but all these things you should be doing. In this church, we say to know Christ, to become like Him, and to make Him known. Correct? I just added another point in there. (laughs) So tonight, on the on the believe it or not, the third part, we have four points. The why and the what. And then the how. And then the through words and through our lives. The why is important. Don't you agree? Our why in our lives is the number one step. The first step of anything. For you to work at the place that you're working, there is a question why you're working there. And that should be the heaviest, if not, if not the most important reason why you're working there. So some of you, you're probably not happy to be working where you're working at, but your reason of why is because you want to make the money. You have bills to pay, right? Even though you don't like your co-workers, you don't like your supervisor, you don't like your fellow employees, right? It's your why is because you need the money. So the why is is quite important. So it's the same with our with our faith. The why here on what our sister Deborah just read is in Deuteronomy 4.8. Is the love for God? I know this is our second point, right? But it, it pays that we, we, we study it again. Our motivation to obey God and to live for Him should be out of our love for Him. It's not about fearing Him, but more about fearing that we will hurt Him because we love Him. Don't you agree? If you are in a relationship with someone and they're fearing you in a way that they will not cheat in their relationship with you because they fear your wrath, that's a bad relationship right there. I can honestly tell you right now that that's a bad relationship. You're on your way to a disaster because fear the the second the second that that fear will be gone, then faithfulness will also be gone. Because one way or another, that partner that is fearing the other partner will find someone else to protect them in case something happens. Don't you agree? Or they'll learn how to call the cops. (laughs) Right? So a good working relationship always, always must be motivated through love. And the people that are working with either a low-paying job or a high-paying job, it doesn't matter to them if they love what they're doing. There's very few of you that that love what you're doing, correct? But if your motivation is because you love God, obeying Him is not burdensome. Coming to church is not burdensome. It's actually, it, it excites you. You look forward to it, correct? You get dressed up for it. You take a shower, <laughs> you get ready, right? You get ready to meet your, 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 your church family, and you can't wait to hear from God. If you love God, if you love God, doing the right things for God according to God's will is something that pleases you. It's something that you enjoy. Giving to God is something pleasing to you. If you don't love God, this is burdensome to you, correct? When you love your children, serving them, serving them, cooking for them, even if you haven't had your rest yet, you will cook for them. You will make their bed. You will do their laundry. If you love your spouse, same thing, correct? The motivation for our relationship with God is because we love Him. Hear, O Israel, love the Lord your God with your entire being. Now, can you actually actually really command somebody to love you? right you can't in our in our human relationships we can't command somebody to love us love is something that the other person learns love is something that we somehow earn don't you agree but you know with god we love him because he first loved us for those of us for those of us who have accepted Christ as our lord we know we know why we love God. We know why we love God, especially for honest. Especially for honest. If we look at ourselves in the mirror and we say, my goodness, why did the holy God, the all-loving God, the all-knowing God, the God that knows all my flaws, love me completely and entirely to the point that He gave Himself for And that admittance right there brings forth love towards Him. Amen? So everything in what we do, coming to church, reading your Bible, praying, giving, serving Him, must be motivated by our love for Him. Amen? Amen. Now the second is the what. Now we have two things in the what here. This is... is, in the future when your son asks you. So what's happening here is, is, is the son asks the father, Dad, I see you going to church. I see you read your Bible. I see you pray to God. I see you serving God. But why should I do that? Why should I do that? That's actually what's really happening here. The Moses is, is instructing the parents of you know, the Israelites, that your children in the future will wonder, they will wonder why you're doing what you're doing for the God that you are serving. So you have to be ready. And what's the answer? The answer is what? The answer is the the, the closest to grace during their time, because Jesus, there was Jesus wasn't crucified yet during Moses' time, but the Exodus, the, the what happened in Exodus, right? Here, it's in here. Remember the Passover? The Passover is what happened. That's the closest to grace that they know of. When the, Ish- the Israelites were being oppressed by the Egyptians, and then God heard their prayer, and God sent help for them, and God rescued them. That's the same with us, folks. We were all, before we accepted Christ, we were all oppressed by our sin and the consequences of our sin. We were enslaved by our sins but because Jesus Jesus came down on the cross for our rescue mission to rescue you to rescue us from the consequences of our sin that becomes our motivation right because because the blood the blood that was God instructed the Israelites to to put the blood right on the doorpost and then the angel of death will pass them over for us folks The blood of Jesus Christ covers us. Amen? If you accepted Him as your Lord, you are covered with His blood. And blood, according in Hebrews here, you read here that, In in fact, the law requires that nearly everything must be cleansed with blood. And without shedding of the blood, there is no forgiveness. Without shedding of the blood, there is no forgiveness. But because of what Christ has done, because of the perfect sacrifice in Jesus, their sins and lawless acts I will remember no more. That's in Jeremiah thirty-one four, and then Hebrews eighteen ten eighteen reads, and when these have been forgiven, sacrifice for sin is no longer necessary. Amen. There is no more sacrifice needed because the perfect sacrifice was done through Christ. Amen. Behold the Lamb of God. When John the Baptist saw Jesus, right, he recited, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. What happened during Moses' time is to signify what is to come through Jesus. It was a symbol of what Jesus will do, which is to shed blood. Folks, that's how much God loves you. That He gave His only begotten Son. What You know why this is important? Even for us believers. Because the minute that you think you deserve God, you lost grace. (laughs) You just discounted grace. You just said you deserved it. Because grace is something we do not deserve. Amen? We don't deserve it. It's like your neighbor. Imagine if you have a neighbor who's irritating. Always playing their music loud. And then when you ask them to lower down their music, they'll increase the volume. Right? Right? And then when you're loud, they call the cops on you. And that neighbor gets sick. And then he asks for your help. And then you help. And then you do the grocery. Do grocery for him. You watch your dog. (laughs) That's grace. Because that guy didn't deserve it. But you gave grace. That is grace. Folks, you and I, we don't deserve Christ dying on the cross for us. He didn't owe us that. This is why believers, we cannot forget what grace is. This is why we need to treasure what grace is. Do you know that it's in 2 Peter when the angels, the angels always look at grace. They're so amazed why grace is given to human beings. Because for angels, they make one mistake and they go. They go to hell. They're casted down. But for us, folks, for those of us who have accepted Christ, we keep making mistakes one Two, three times one thousand, but because of what Christ has done, because of what Christ has done. Now, when your son asks you, "What does it mean? What does the law mean?" You say, "The law is God's grace to us." You say, "God's God's law was given to tell me that I cannot make it to heaven. God's law was given, but then Christ was given as payment." For my sins because I cannot keep up with the law that is what you say this is when you know Christ this is the result you keep talking about him and when you keep talking about him, you keep talking about his grace you cannot you should not get tired of talking great talking about grace why is it all of a sudden you're working this life perfectly did, 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 did Christianity become about something else now? grace is so important because it tells us it tells us to be grateful grace is important because it humbles us and out of our humility and out of our gratitude comes obedience that's when we live for god amen amen that's in 1 john 4:10 this is love not that we love god but that He loved us and He sent His Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Amen? That's the what. There's the why and there's the what. When you know who God is, you cannot stop talking about Him. And your number one topic is what He has done and continues to do for you. Mainly His grace, folks. Somebody's having a party upstairs. <laughs> our second point is, how do we speak? The, the next question for the keen believer, or the people that are actually listening and, and looking in, the question, okay, how? Because we know the why, we have the what. Now, how do we do it? How do we? How do I talk about God? Deuteronomy 6, 24 to 25, the Lord commanded us to obey all these decrees and to fear our God so that we might always prosper and be kept alive. In Genesis 5, oh, I, I put this here because of this. In Genesis 15, 6, and Genesis 17, 10, because of what you read on verse 25, 625 reads in Deuteronomy, and if we are careful to obey all these law, this law before our Lord, He has commanded us, that will be our righteousness. I don't want you to be confused I don't want you to be confused that we can earn our salvation. I can't. I don't want you to be confused that what you do makes you righteous, because if you read Genesis Genesis fifteen six, Abram, which whom became Abraham, it reads here: Abram believed the Lord, and he God credited to him as righteousness. Before Abraham got circumcised and followed any directions of of God to him, Abram first believed. Amen? So it's the same with us. Our righteousness is not because of what we do for God. Our righteousness is what God has done for us. Amen? I hope that's clear. Because that's through your life is in Ephesians 2.8.9 now. right? In Ephesians 2.8.9 it reads, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith that is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. There you go. We are not saved by works, but we are saved by grace to do good works. There's a story. There's a story about the phony jacket. You heard about a phony jacket. There's this girl named Kathy. She's about sixth grade. She comes home uh, excited and she announced to the whole family, I got it. And then the little brother Ben said, You got the coronavirus? <laughs> and she she held up the book. She goes, No, silly, I got the book that I've been wanting to bring home. And then the book shows. It shows a girl in a long skirt uh, and then she has a, a, you know, the cooking dress and cooking over an old-fashioned stove, of which which this is what her teacher told her to bring if she wanted to make vanity cakes. So she said, I got it, Mom. Let's make vanity cakes. But the mom said, after dinner, after dinner. So after dinner, Kathy was excited to, to get it done, to get the vanity cakes. She opens the book. And to her disappointment, the book was about a politician's confession about lying. It was a phony jacket. It was the wrong cover. She, somebody put the wrong cover on a different book. So what's, So what's wrong there? Is it the cover or is it the book? It's like it's like having it's like there's this picture in the Philippines. It happened. It really happened in the Philippines. They they were selling a bag with the Batman logo, and then the writing Superman. So which one's right? Is it a Superman bag or a Batman bag? Is the logo wrong or is the word wrong? With this, with the phony jacket, it's the jacket that's wrong. Amen. It's the jacket that's wrong. Because the, the, the book communicated something else. But until you open, that's the real that's the real book. The cover has nothing to do with what's inside. It's the same with believers or people that claim that they are believers. We act, we act, we portray, we show that we are in love with the Lord. But until God, but we can fool everybody else, but God knows our inside, right? God knows the heart. We can be wearing phony jackets, but God knows what's inside of you. Amen. And I pray that I pray that we're not wearing phony jackets, just masks right now, because we're told to wear masks. There there's there's many things. There's many things about that. If we, if, because the change for a Christian doesn't happen from outside and then going in. This is the point of that. The change for a Christian happens from inside out. Amen? You don't, folks, when you talk about God, when we say the result of knowing God is that you tell people about God, you don't tell people to stop drinking if they're alcoholics. You don't tell people to stop gambling if they're gamblers. You don't tell people to stop doing certain things. You tell people about Jesus. Amen? I don't know if I convince all of you guys yet. Yeah. We don't tell people to be good. Because Jesus Christ didn't come to this earth to make bad people good. Christ came to earth to make dead people live dead spiritually dead because we were all dead we were all condemned to go to hell until Christ came down and gave us that gift of grace so we don't tell people to stop doing their sinful lives although we know that it's sinful we don't tell them about that we tell them about Jesus so toughen up get ready I know it's it's easier to tell our friends, hey, uh, I don't think you should be drinking that much, than, than telling people, hey, man, I think you need to accept Jesus. You need to see what Jesus has done in my life. Christ, is, Christ ever since I, I accepted him, you know, little by little, I changed. It's, it's so much easier to tell them to stop drinking. It's so much easier to tell them to stop gambling. It is. If you don't agree, you probably haven't shared Jesus yet. Because they'll tell you, "Oh, you're stop judging me. You're a fanatical. You're crazy. You're old school. Why do you believe in the Bible, folks?" We have to tell people through our lives, right? And then there another another part is water baptism. Can you guys see it? I know. Hopefully, by next week, we'll have both projectors working. Water baptism. Now, water baptism. Water baptism doesn't save anybody. Amen? But water baptism is another way for us to tell people that we love God. It is a, a way that we tell people that we belong to God. Amen? Amen. First Peter 3.21 reads, And this water symbolizes baptism that now saves you also. Not the removal of dirt from the body, but the pledge of a clear conscience toward God. It saves you by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. This water, the water is symbolized. Remember, for those of you who have done the water baptism, you going in there symbolizes you dying with Christ. And then you coming up symbolizes you resurrecting with Christ, which means the new you. That's your proclamation. You tell people you now belong to the Lord. Amen? Amen, amen. This is an Acts, but well, that's that's Acts. Okay, that was Acts. I was reading First Peter, <laughs> It's First Peter over there. But Acts this is when the Enoch or the eunuch wanted to be baptized right after the gospel was explained to him. He said, What shall delay me to get baptized? See, it's quite important because it's written down in the Bible. Don't you agree? It's another way of us telling people about God. Our water baptism. A proclamation. So if you haven't done it, I think you should pray about it. Because it's another way that you tell your family. And there's a great platform. Let me tell you a secret. There's a great platform that you can tell the world that you belong to Christ. It's one word or two words. Facebook. Right? I mean, you guys show everything else. Why not show your baptism? You don't want to tell people that you belong to Christ? Maybe, huh? Maybe, maybe that's it. Maybe we don't want to tell people about everything else, what we can do, what we're about, what we're wearing, what we're buying, what we're eating, but not about Jesus. Not that we belong to Jesus. Not that. Because, you know, we're not working this, walking this life perfectly yet. We don't want to be judged. Like, oh, you're a hypocrite because I saw your baptism, but then I, you were just partying with me last night. So just like my coach, well, my supposedly coach in high school, uh, I was in Reno High, and I was was trying out for the basketball team. You know how they have open gyms here first. It's like a three week open gym before they really pick you to the team. So it's a long process. I just moved from the Philippines, Pastor Charles, and I had this vice that every basketball player seems to have in the Philippines. We smoke. (laughs) So I was smoking, going to school, and the coach saw me smoke smoking so during the open gym the coach told me joe either you quit smoking or you quit basketball guess what this this smart guy quit i quit basketball (laughs) folks we're all faced and i regret that decision ever since but we're always faced with that decision all the time with that choice. We all carry the name of Jesus. We either quit our worldly ways, right? Or we change our name. But you know what? Praise God for grace. That's why we started with grace. Because grace, even when you are faithless, God is faithful. Amen? Even when you want to give up God never gives up. Even in your biggest failure, God still says, get up, I'm with you. Amen. 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 And this is this first is Peter, I tackled that. This is in Romans 6 4. We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father. We too may live a new life. Folks, for those of you who have been baptized, are you living a resurrected life? If you didn't see this coming, you don't know yet. If you have done the water baptism, you proclaim to the word that you belong to Christ. Now, are you living that new life with Christ? Or are you still living that life that was supposed to be buried? as when you were submerged in the water that symbolized that. Maybe we should have kept you there a couple minutes. <laughs> Please pray for Anne Lou. She's not feeling well and she's texting me right now. <laughs> do, 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 we, uh, do, you, do you understand that your one result of knowing the real God is when you did the water baptism, you told everybody, now you are charged with living a new life for Him. We are all charged to living a new life with Him. Now, folks, for those of you who haven't got water, the, the water baptism, you're not ex- excused. You're not excused. We are to live a new life for Him. We are to live a holy life. Now here, somebody's going to ask me, well, Joe, that sounds so legalistic. Aren't we saved by grace? Yes, we're saved by grace. We're saved by grace, but it doesn't give you the excuse to live, continue to live in your sinful ways. Because in a way, you're telling God, Lord, you can't change me. I know you're powerful. I know you created all things, but you cannot change me. We all have that free will because God's good that way. God's good that way. He wants to know if we really love him, not because we have to, but because we want to. Again, we go back to the love part. So we started with that. If you love someone, you do anything they want, even when they don't ask for it. There are unspoken rules, correct? When you get married, you know, the, the trouble when you write your own vows in your marriage, you always just say about, tell, you know, you say they're nice things because you don't know any better. <laughs> right? Because you haven't been married before, so you don't know what trouble is on your wind. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. But yes, trouble can come. But when you write your own own vows, you always tell about the nice things. I love seeing you. I love the way you smile. I love when you sing for me. And then, that's it. (laughs) And then what happens when you don't love their smile? When their smile actually irritates you. When they keep singing and they're out of tune. What happens then? You want to leave them? This is why biblical vows are important when you get married. Right? To love Right? Through sickness and through health. Till death do us part. Right To love and to honor. Whether you like it or not. <laughs> there is a pledge, folks. A pledge of a clear conscience. Baptism is not merely a religious ritual that washes the body. It is once pledged. Hopefully I have everybody's ears here. It is once pledged to God to live righteously from that time on. Which results in a clear conscience before him. Peter reminds his readers of the pledge of their baptism at a time when they are facing suffering because of Christ and are tempted to turn away from the Lord. You know, during, this is, that was in 1 Peter 3 1. During Peter's time, the believers were being, uh, they were captured. When they were captured, they will be burned in a stake, in the stadium, burned alive. Us, we're just going to be unfriended, and we're crying about it. We're going to lose friends. We're not going to be invited in a, in, a, in a party, and we cry about it. We're scared. We're scared to be called legalists or fanatics, Jesus crazy guy. But the, the believers before, they were burned alive. They were tortured and to deny Christ. They were told, deny Christ and we will burn you. They said, well done, please. <laughs> Bring your worse, right? Do your worst." So our, our, our third point for tonight, through your words. Please turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 26, or your Bible apps. Matthew chapter 26, verse 69 to 75. Let me read it to you too. Now Peter was sitting out in the courtyard, and a servant girl came to him. You also were with Jesus of Galilee, she said, but he denied it before them all. I don't know what you're talking about, he said. Then he went out of the gateway, where another servant girl saw him and said to the people there, This fellow was with Jesus of Nazareth. He denied it again with an oath. I don't know that man. After a little while, those standing there went up to Peter and said, Surely you are one of them. Your accent gives you away. Then he began to call down curses, and he swore to them, I don't know the man. Immediately a rooster crowed. Then Peter remembered the word Jesus had spoken. Before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. And he went outside and wept bitterly. What's the lesson of this passage? Peter is scared of little girls. (laughs) First servant girl. Two girls. Do you find them, just picturing them, are they intimidating at all? No. The point is this. If you want to deny Christ, it doesn't need that much resistance. They don't need to look scary. They don't need to be that aggressive towards you. If you want to deny Christ, it's because your heart, your heart is not with him. You're, you are not loving him with your entire being. You are not loving him with your heart, mind, strength, and soul. You don't need a scary guy saying, hey, you're gonna, I'm going to burn you. If you love Christ, do you love Christ? You don't need a gun. You don't need somebody with a gun. You Look at this. A servant girl asked him twice, and he denied Christ. Three times. It was the same Peter that wrote First Peter or Second Peter that we read? Do you know that not saying anything as well is also denying Christ? Do you know that there's this there's this crime that happened where there was uh, uh, somebody was being charged wrongly accused of committing this murder. And the witness, the witness, the person that supposedly made the conf- or or made the witness that the cops needed, arrested that guy. So the guy that was falsely accused because of the witness saying that, yeah, it was him who shot the father. After a year, confessed to the cops and he said, no, he actually wasn't the guy. He wasn't the guy. But then the the, the young man was already in jail for a year. I mean, if you're wrongly accused, being in jail for five minutes, it's terrifying for me. I mean, going to jail is terrifying, period, whether you did it or not. But much more if he wasn't. Because somebody made a false witness. Because of somebody saying the wrong thing. How about you not saying anything at all? What if you were with that guy and he was with you the whole time during the murder, ha- when the murder happened, and you're not saying anything? Imagine you having the cure for cancer. You have the cure for cancer, and your neighbor right across the street, his mom's dying of cancer. Are you telling me that you'd rather be quiet about that? That you have the cure to actually help someone, not die. Someone's loved one. Folks, that's what you're doing, believers. That is what you're doing when you don't say anything, when you don't talk about God and His grace to your family and your friends that have not accepted Christ as their Lord. Can somebody say amen? I know it's a hard pill to swallow is a hard pill to swallow but that is the result of knowing God. Knowing God tells us that there is one God that we are to live for him, that we are to love him, and that we have to trust him unconditionally and we have to tell people about him because if he is if he rescued us from our sins, doesn't he rescue them too? That's the result of knowing God. How would you feel If you were dating this person, right, the the person, your crush. Remember when most of us back in high school, you have that one, one, too long, I know. (laughs) You finally got the girl, right? You finally got the girl that you've been praying for. You've been spending time with her. You've been been giving her everything, your lunch money. You're not eating so you can buy her flowers and then and then and then you guys end up meeting their her friends and then she forgets to introduce you and then you say oh by the way i'm joe and then they go oh who's this and then she goes my friend you see the you see the it's the same thing with jesus God has done everything for us, continue to do everything for you, continue to bless you, continue to protect you, and guarantees you eternal life. But you're around your friends, you're, you're lapping with, spending a lot of time with, but you don't say anything to them. Are you ashamed of him? Are you ashamed of him? Is he not that good looking? Was he wearing the wrong pair of pants? Was he wearing green and then red? Is he's colorblind? You won't appreciate it. But that's what we do with Christ. That's what we do with Christ when we don't tell people about him. We don't tell people about him. 2 Timothy 1.8 So never be ashamed to tell others about our Lord. Somebody say amen. This is a New Living Translation. So never be ashamed to tell others about our Lord, and don't be ashamed of me either, even though I am in prison for Him. With the strength God gives you, be ready to suffer with me for the sake of good news. We have our brothers and our sisters that are, that are serving God there unashamedly. They're going on the, on the mic and getting persecuted left and right. And we are not to be ashamed of them. We are to pray for them. If we can help them, we are to help them. We can be part of it. We should be a part of it. You know, I, I just recently watched again for the 99,000th time, the movie Knight's Tale. You guys know about the Knight's Tale? No? Okay. See a lot of... All right. <laughs> maybe a different analogy. <laughs> no, Knight's Tale is from uh, Heath Ledger. Okay. Maybe you watch it, maybe not. But there's a scene there where the night the guy that wasn't a knight that became a knight, he, you know, he he false, he just took on the armor of his previous master. His name's William Thatcher. Thatcher, and then he met this this maiden named Jocelyn. He he really liked this girl. He really loved her. So he wrote a love letter to her, but with the help of his friends. So now the girl wants him to tell her sweet nothings. But because he did write it completely, he said he was saying the wrong things. So he says here, Jocelyn, how may I prove my love to you? How? And then the girl said, do you ask in earnest? He said, yes. If you would prove your love, do your worst. So the guy goes, my worst? What do you mean? Instead of winning to honor me, with your high reputation, act against your character and do badly. Because he was a knight and he was in the jousting competition. And he had a long streak, of he, he was on a winning streak. He was the up and coming star of that. So the girl is now saying, do bad. Lose for me. Proof, losing does not prove anything. Losing proves that I'm a loser. Wrong. Losing is much keener. It's a much keener test of your love. Losing would contradict your self love. It would show obedience to your lover and not yourself. What's your answer? The girl asked him. He said, I will not lose. Then you do not love me. Then you do not love me. It is out of his character, you know, just, just so you know, he did try to lose, he took a lot of blows. To, to prove his love for her. Only for the girl to change her mind and say, okay, now I want you to win the championship. <laughs> it's a funny scene, but it's a very, I, I, when I saw it, I saw, God, I saw Jesus, number one, taking the blows for me. Because it was out of his character. You know, Jesus did not have to suffer. Jesus did not have to die uh, the, the death that he died crucifixion, the worst way to die. He didn't have to do it, but he did to prove his love for us. God did not have to give his begotten son. He didn't. He didn't have to. He's not lonely up there. He doesn't need our company. He doesn't need the headache. (laughs) But he did because he loved us. So what in return is he asking? What in return is he asking from us? to deny ourselves to deny ourselves i know of a couple of members that left the church because i was told they told me that i don't preach enough about self love which is good i mean yeah i do not i don't preach enough about self love which is a good thing because we are to love god more than we love ourselves How can you deny yourself if I keep telling you to love yourself? We are to love God and we are to deny ourselves for God. That's our life. Don't you agree? From Monday to Sunday, you find yourself denying yourself, denying yourself of your old ways. When somebody says something bad about you, your old way is what? I want to get you back. You either want to break your teeth or you want to say something worse, right? You deny yourself of that. Our Christian life is about denying our old self to come out. It's letting God live in our lives. So what's about... I really won't be preaching about self-love, folks. I'll be preaching about God's love for you. God's love for us. And that in return, it should brew love in us so that we will be obedient and to be living for Him. 1 John 2, 3-6 to six reads, We know that we have come to know Him if we keep His commands. Whoever says, I know Him, but does not do what He commands is a liar. And the truth is not in that person. But if anyone obeys His word, love for God is truly made complete in them. This is how we know we are in Him. Whoever claims to live in Him must live as Jesus did. How did Jesus live? He denied Himself about many things. He he didn't even have a pillow, He said. I don't even have a pillow to lay my head on. But us, how many houses do we have? How many cars do we have? How many pillows do you have that you don't use? We are to deny ourselves. We have to live a life of denying ourselves from the pleasures of this world, because you cannot serve two gods. You cannot serve two masters. Another result of knowing God, the true God, is that we tell people of Him. We tell them about His power, and then we trust Him, despite the trouble that we are facing. We tell them that we trust Him And then we have peace in Him, even in the middle of a storm. We tell them that through our daily life, by what we do and how we live in the face of challenges, the more we talk about His love, the more we talk about the gospel, the more we are humbled, the more we are grateful, and the more we obey and live for Him, not grudgingly, but willingly, and lovingly that is the other point of knowing god during trying times let's close in prayer our father we are grateful for your message for us tonight we pray father god that our minds and our hearts will remind us of this lesson i pray father god we pray lord god that during our testing as we step out of this room in this building, Lord God, I pray that uh, when our strength fails, Lord God, please strengthen us. When our memory fails us, Lord God, please remind us. When our heart fails us, Lord God, please, Lord God, enlighten us and strengthen us. That we will live for you, that we will love you, and that we will tell people about you. In your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior's name, pray. And know what the Lord's people said? Amen. Amen. Let's all rise for the closing hymn.